How's everybody doing tonight? Good? I saw a thumbs down over there. Is that, is that about basketball or what? Just kidding. We're doing bad too. Um, so I, my name's Eric. My wife, Kellen, and I are, she's here. Uh, we are currently pioneering uh, New Kyle at CU Boulder. So um, believe it or not, but God cares about them over there. Um, and he's... And he sent us. Um, but yeah, I, I remember being in this room. I think I was an intern that year, 2015, 20, or 2016, I think. Uh, there were no skeletons, though. I don't know. They changed their program or whatever. But um, So Kellen and I and some others just returned from the Middle East with Nate. Uh, and it was, it was such a cool trip. We got to see so many things. We got to see um, the largest Christian church in the Middle East. Um, we got to see graves of people like Oswald Chambers and others. He was buried in Cairo, really random. Um, and uh, I have a picture of the pyramids. So those are the pyramids, and there's a yellow bus and two random people. Um, and believe it or not, they're not out in the middle of nowhere. The city is right there. Um, and then there's another picture next of Nate just doing Nate things. Sorry, Lindsay. Um, yep. So, yep, we got to ride. <laughs> we got to ride some camels. Nate actually tried to, they were all hooked together, and he tried to unhook his to go off and ride, but the guy, the guy caught him. So, Nate's, Nate's a rowdy boy. But while we were in Cairo, we got to go to... The, um, there's a little tiny uh, American cemetery there. And some of you might have heard this story from Nate, actually, but there's a um, gravestone there uh, of a guy named William Borden. And he was, at the age of 18, he was already a, a millionaire. And his family actually did silver mining in Colorado. That's how he was so wealthy. And his parents, uh, he went to Yale and Princeton, so he's an Ivy League guy, and his parents paid for him for a year-long trip around the world. So he went on this trip, and um, he had recently, before that, he got saved through the preaching of R.A. Torrey. Um, if, I'm sure some of y'all have read him. But he goes on this trip and gets a heart for missions, a heart to reach people. And he decides to go to Gansu province in China, which I've actually been to. It's really cool. Um, but there's uh, a Muslim minority people group there that he felt called to reach. And so he, uh, at the age of 25, he went to Cairo, Egypt, to uh, study Arabic and to learn Arabic and then to learn about Islam. And after just being there for a couple months, he got meningitis. I think I have his grave, a picture of his grave. Um, and he got meningitis and passed away. And he didn't even get to go to where God has called him to. Um, but on his gravestone, it, it says, no reserves, no retreats, no regrets. And so my question tonight, I'm not going to answer it yet, but my question for you is, is that worth it? For some of you, that might be your age right now. For some of you, it's like five years down the road, seven years down the road. Would that be worth it if that was your life? So tonight, I'm going to talk about responsibility. You guys talked um, the past few weeks about uh, kingdom relationships and your personal walk with God. And 
we have this acronym KPR, Kingdom Relationships, Personal Walk with God, and now we're doing responsibility. And that's not, a, that's not just a Chi Alpha thing. That's a, that's a, a Christian thing. <laughs> different people might call it different things, but every healthy Christian has a real relationship with God. They have community around them if, if they're blessed with that. Sometimes if, if you're in a, like some people might be in a situation where they don't have that. But in general, a healthy Christian has a community. And thirdly, uh, responsibility, a mission. God's on a mission. He's not just uh, here to make us happy and to make us fat. But he's, he has a mission. Yeah, we should be faithful, available, and teachable. But, but he has a mission that he calls us on. And today, I, I have three points today. I'm going to talk about how God pursues us, how he invites us to join him, and then some practicals at the end. And I think we have to root this conversation in God pursuing us. And uh, responsibility has to be rooted in those other things of being in a Christian community and having a relationship with God. Because if we're just, if God just says to go do stuff, but we don't understand the why, it's, it's just pointless, right? We're just, we're just working for him. It's just a job. And this is something I have had to grow in a lot because naturally I'm the guy that's like, yeah, just tell me what to do. I'll go do it. And then I have to be like, wait, what? why am I doing this? And I think Justin said it really well while he was leading worship is that um, there's times in our lives where things aren't always easy. And like what... Just look around the room right now. What you guys have here is really beautiful. Yeah, go ahead and... <laughs> what you have here is really beautiful. We walked onto campus at CU. We walked onto campus at CU in August. I'm this 30-year-old guy from CSU that doesn't know anybody. And people could tell I wasn't a student. Um... And I used to just blend in here, not anymore. And we're supposed to make friends with people and build a community like this. And it's been hard a lot of times. It's not always easy. And some of you might graduate and go off to a job where there's no other believers. Or some of you might be called to the mission field to do something like we're doing, to start something. And if, if, if your responsibility, your discipleship here is not rooted in an understanding of why, and what God has done for us, then it's, you're going to flounder. And I just have to keep going back as I'm in Boulder to, God called me to this, and God uh, has pursued me, and I'm going to pursue other people. We, uh, two weeks ago, or three weeks ago, we had, I think, 14 people in our house, which was like a record um, for a small group. We had the guys and girls together. It was amazing. So the Lord is moving, but it takes, it takes time. So, first point is that God pursues us. We have to grasp this. We have to grasp the why. Um, most religions have some form of this idea that we do things to achieve God's favor or to cover our sins or to reach some higher consciousness or something like that. And Christianity, on the surface, to many people looks similar, right? Because we seek to live holy lives. We, we have standards um, by which we live. We, we talk about pleasing God, right? But if we dig into it, I think Christianity actually flips this on its head. Um, the Bible says that God loved us first. And I made this little comic in Canva. It's, 
it's kind of funny. It's not necessarily supposed to be that funny, but um, I, I, ta- I explain it this way to some people. Imagine God's up there, and we're trying to reach him. And so this guy's climbing the ladder, and then Jesus, next slide, Jesus, judo kicks him off the ladder. <laughs> and then he comes down, and then he's like, hey, man, I love you, and I forgive you, and I'm with you. And that, that's, <laughs> that's, that's really what we believe. It's so simple. <laughs> no, I'm serious. <laughs> Guys, Canva's amazing. You should use it. Um, but we seek by our effort to improve ourselves. And people say, like, well, I, I don't know if I'm worthy. Like, am I worthy? And, like, no, you're not. <laughs> Do you think you are? Because well, there's this perfect, incredible God. And how could we ever live up to his standards? How could we ever be impressive to him, right? But he came down to where we are. And he says, you don't have to impress me, um, but I love you. We believe that God literally came down in history as a man to show us what God is like. He lived on earth, and he died. He died at the hands of sinners, and he rose again and invites us to have life with him. One of the names of Jesus in the Bible that I love the most is Emmanuel, which means God with us. And if you think about that, I I just think it's so powerful that God is with us. And it's not just something he did casually. But it's like a name of God. This was in Isaiah. It was prophesied for, for hundreds of years before that God would be with us. And if we talk about, well, like, if I ask the question, what is the most significant thing God has done? I, I think one answer could be, well, he, he created everything. Like, out of nothing, he created the universe and the galaxies and us. And I would say, yeah, that's, that's amazing. It shows God's power. Or you might say, well, the resurrection, that Jesus rose from the dead, that all of our Christianity hinges on that fact, and that's true. If, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, the Bible says that we're, we're just <laughs> silly, we're hopeless. If he didn't rise from the dead, then he's not God. And that shows God's power. But I think this fact that God became a man, the, the word became flesh, And dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. I think that is the most significant thing that God has done. Because it doesn't just show his power, it shows his love. It shows that he unselfishly chose to come down and be with us. He gave up so much to be with us. And I think there's so many ideas out there about what God is like. But none are more pure, none are more attractive than Jesus Christ. If you aren't sure if you can trust the Bible or if you feel like God's hurt you, look at Jesus. Jesus is a lens by which we see the whole Bible. Jesus is the culmination of all that God has done throughout history. You will not find anyone like him. There's no one as worthy or, or as loving as Jesus. My, my favorite author, E. Stanley Jones, once uh, he, he gave a lecture and a guy came up afterwards 
with a, a, a page full of questions about the Old Testament. And he was like, here, I need you to answer all these things. And E. Stanley Jones looked at it, and he was like, if you have questions about Jesus, I'll answer them. <laughs> and I, I don't think there's anything wrong with grappling with the Old Testament. I think it's good to learn about it. But his point was, like, I'm preaching Jesus and what he has done. And if you want to talk about that, we can talk. But otherwise, I'll wait for that. So Jesus gave up everything. He stopped at nothing to redeem us. Luke 15 says this, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. That's the heart of God, to go after us, to find us, to bring us back, not because of anything that we're able to contribute, but because of his love. I think to be needed feels good in a cheap sort of way. Like, I love to feel needed. I love to be the guy that has the jumper cables or, like, that somebody asks if they have a question, right? That feels good. But if you're needed, there's always going to be somebody else that can replace you, that knows the stuff better or, or that can do the thing better. But to be wanted, that's far more wonderful. But it takes some getting used to because we want to contribute. But to be wanted is a heart of the gospel. Sometimes this verse maybe gets cliche because we may have heard it often, but John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. He just loves us. And Hebrews 12 says that looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He was, he was literally mocking the shame because of this joy. The joy, I think, of pleasing the Father, of pleasing God, and the joy of us, of knowing us, of bringing us back. So we see how much God loves us, right? But what is our response? I mentioned it earlier, that we love because he first loved us. And, every, and that's why the gospel is flipped on its head of religion, of, of every, most religion, is that we do these good things out of this outpouring of a gratitude for God. And I, I think it's easy to forget that. Even I forget that. And it, when I'm out there in a new place trying to reach new people, I have to remember that, that I'm doing this because God loves me and God loves them. God loves you. He loves your neighbors. He loves your classmates. And he invites you to join him. That's my second point, that God invites us to join him. John 15, 12 says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask 
So whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. So what is the master doing? Luke 19.9 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. And this has always been what the master is doing. This has always been the master's business. And if we're part of his family, if we're his friends, this is our business too. We get to pass on what God has done for us. But we can't pass that on if we don't have it. We can't give away what we don't have. Philippians 2 says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. If any of you listen to the band My Epic, they have a song called Lower Still. Three people, come on. Go, <laughs> go listen to it. But it, it's amazing. It, it just it, it talks about this, how, how he, Jesus is God. But he didn't consider that something, some translations say, you, to be used to his own advantage or to be held on to. But he lowered himself to be born, to wash his disciples' feet, to die. He just kept lowering himself. He didn't wait for us to reach him, but he came to where we are. And Paul says that that ought to be our attitude. This ought to be the way that we live. And I think all of these things should lead us to want to reach out to people and to make disciples and to humble ourselves before those around us. Um, and as if he needed to spell it out more clearly, Jesus said this to his disciples. He says in Matthew 28, he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. But what does this mean for us today? Well, probably the same thing it meant then. But the question, the question is, where do we start? I think that's the hard part sometimes. One of my favorite sayings in Chi Alpha is that what God does in you, he wants to do through you. I don't, I don't think you have to wait that long to start. If God's done something in your life, tell somebody. If God's delivered you from something, he can help deliver others. If he brought you hope, he can use you to bring hope to other people. If he's freed you from depression, fear, pornography, anger, drunkenness, he's now equipping you to help others be free of those things. We have, we have a guy in our ministry who uh, was, he said he was an alcoholic, but he wanted to give up alcohol. But he still had one handle of vodka. And so we're trying to figure out what are we going to do with this? Are we going to dump it out? Are we going to smash it? And then I remembered that you can make vanilla extract with vodka. So you, you soak uh, vanilla beans in the vanilla extract for like a few months. And it, or Sorry, you soak it in the vodka and it becomes vanilla extract. And so he brought it over and we made vanilla extract out of it. And so it's sitting on our counter, just this reminder of God's redemption. And a couple weeks later, when this was still very fresh, 
there was a guy in small group who was talking about his marijuana addiction. And this guy points and says, like, look, this is, because um, we were at our house, and he pointed at it and was like, this is, I gave up my alcohol, and this is what God is doing in my life. And it, it was, like, very recent, but he was able to share that with this other guy. Um, and I, I think that's, that's, like, all we have to do to start, you know? If God did something, he can do that same thing in someone else's life. In Revelation, it talks about how people overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. The blood of the Lamb, the gospel, what God has done for everyone, and the word of our testimony, what God has done for you. And if we keep those two together, I think we'll be all right. If you understand how God reached down to you and wants to do that for others, you'll become a soul winner. I believe if you want it, it'll happen, and I think I can end the sermon now. <laughs> but I'm going to give a few practicals. Nate would want me to give some practicals. Because <laughs> the reality is you can go out on campus today, well, yeah, today or tomorrow, um, and be like, I'm going to share Jesus with somebody, and you try to do it, and they stare at you awkwardly as though you're some alien that came off a Chinese balloon, and <laughs> then they walk away. And you're like, oh, this is not my thing. I'm not cut out for this. And let me tell you, that that's happened to all of us, okay? So first off, one very practical way you can grow in ministry is doing the leadership training class here. I think that's beginning fairly soon. If you don't know about it, talk to your small group leader. Um, and that's not the only way you can be used by God. That's not the only way you can make disciples. But if you want to do that here in college, in this movement, that's the best training you'll get. Um, and it'll t cover a ton of really practical stuff. And so I'm not going to cover those now. Uh, but I just want to cover a few principles that I think will help you as you reach out to people and as you make disciples. Um, and those are, one, lay down your life. Pretty, pretty simple. Two, pursue the right people. Three, walk in the power of the Spirit. And four, have fun. <laughs> Thank you, Cable. I needed to drink some water, so that was perfect. <laughs> I do just want to uh, be clear and make a note of this. That many people think that this type of ministry, like I'm talking about practically how to reach people. Many people think like, well, this is not treating people in a genuine way. And I, I, I think that can be a concern. Um, but I would just say if you treat people like a project, stop. People don't like that. Right? Or if you bait and switch them, right? If you say like, we're going to have come over for pizza and there will be girls there. And they come over and you're like, oh, my dog's a girl. <laughs> it's... It's just a bunch of guys. It's just a bunch of guys talking about the Bible. Don't do that. Maybe maybe explain a little more what you're doing. But we are calling people to something higher than just a friendship based on random things, right? We're calling people to to come on a journey with us as we seek God whether or not we have things in common. Because a friendship based on your classes might last a semester or two or, 
It'll have to have something else to keep it going past that. Or soccer, if you play soccer, uh, it'll only last until somebody tears an ACL. It's, it's, it's a reality. You have to find something deeper than that to keep it going, right? Or if, you're, if you ski park with the boys and you're ripping upper decky lip pillows, that's, that's, that's not going to last very long, you know? It might be gen that, yeah, that might feel organic, but it's not genuine. It's not purposeful. Um, and so, okay, the first thing is that lay down your life. We have to surrender our rights to always do what we want. Um, I don't know if any of you guys know who Nate Smart is, but he was a small group leader here long, long time ago. Somebody, people know who he is. That's amazing. Um, he is currently, he's one of the foremen building the uh, Sacramento City, uh, City Hall or something. Sacramento. Um, but we got to see him about a year ago in California, and I asked him, like, he's one of the best small group leaders we had, at least early on, and I asked him, like, what, what was it that, like, really helped you? And he said two things. He said, one, that he and his small group leader, Garrett, they were, like, best friends. He said they looked at each other, and they knew that their friendship wouldn't be just them anymore, but they'd have to uh, make time for other people and bring other people into that friendship. Um, and the second thing he said was this. He said um, that he had to lay down some of his interests to reach others. And he was into dirt biking and all this stuff, and he was like, yeah, I realized I was going to have to do other things with other people. And that's exactly what that Philippians 2 verse says, that we consider others' interests as more important than our own. And I, I really believe that you will never make disciples if you expect to bring people into your life without changing anything. And that's actually a law of the kingdom of God that even Jesus followed, right? He came down to where we were. He changed. Uh, he eternally changed. When you look at Revelation, saying, talking about what the, the end of things, we still see Jesus as a lamb who was slain. He, he changed for us. My small group leader initially did a lot to help me grow in my walk with God. Um, but over the years, I noticed that adventures such as skiing and mountain biking really took priority in his life and the lives of some of the other guys around him. And I had this longing to be part of that, but I had no money. <laughs> I was broke, like very broke. I was duct taping the sidewalls of my bike tires, and I didn't have a car, <laughs> and I was just riding my road bike in the snow. And weather like this, I see someone else is doing that. Let's go. <laughs> but in that, I didn't have money to go skiing or, or do some of these adventurous things, but I think God protected me because he kept me focused on, on campus and on those around me and on leading others to Jesus. And I, it, it came to be a thing where on, on the weekend I would think about who can I pour into, who can I hang out with. Um, when a break came, it, we tried to figure out what can we do to make memories with guys that will move us forward in our walks with God. And that... I think God had mercy on me um, by allowing that to be the focus for me. And if, if you're someone who is trying to lead a small group maybe, but when the weekend comes around, you're thinking, well, what can I do to have fun? 
or when a break comes, what can I do um, to make the most of this break? I would encourage you to think about who are the people around me and how uh, can I make memories with them? How can I grow with them? Um, second, pursue the right people. In Mark ten seventeen, uh, we have the story of the rich young ruler and this guy who basically said he was perfect uh, comes up to Jesus. He says he's never broken any of the laws of the Torah. And, and it says that Jesus looked at him and loved him and said, you lack one thing, go sell all that you have and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And I think it's easy to think that we, any person we meet, we should, we should pour into, we should disciple. And I, I really believe that the Lord will impress on our hearts sometimes someone to reach out to uh, that maybe isn't the most open or isn't uh, the person really who we think will grow a lot, and that's okay. I would encourage you to pursue that person. Um, but in general, we should think about, are these people okay with Jesus? Are they okay with us? Are they okay with our community? Are they faithful? Are they available? Are they teachable? We talk about those things a lot. Um, and those are the kind of people that we can, that are just ready to hear the gospel. And there's people like that all over the world. Um, and I would encourage you to look for those type of people. And God's going to use you to reach all sorts of people. Um, but those are the ones that I think he can really um, build a small group out of and really build a community out of. And, yeah, look for people who are humble and, and hungry to learn. I remember one semester, it was December, and I had my last meeting of December, my last small group meeting, there was nine of us there. And in January, there were... <laughs> Me and two other guys. And seven guys just moved or weren't interested anymore or ghosted me. And I started in January with two guys. One of them's here, which is cool. Um, and I was like, Lord, I don't know what happened, but you're going to have to do something. And he did. And slowly, the Lord moved. Um, and I, I just believe that even if you've tried and tried, there's always somebody out there who's hungry for God. And just keep seeking those people. But a lot of times we wonder, like, how can we find those people? And I would say, number one is prayer and reliance on the Holy Spirit. We have to do this. We have to win people through prayer and through relying on the Holy Spirit. One saying we have is God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. And I think that's so true. There's many of you who might feel like, how could I make a difference? How could I, uh, yeah, how could I do this? And I would just tell you that God will equip you, <laughs> that he will um, lead you and he will meet you. Um, there's a story of Philip in the Bible where God basically tells, the Holy Spirit tells him, go down this desert road. And he's like, okay. So he starts going down this desert road. And this guy from Ethiopia, he's a court official of the queen of Ethiopia. And he's going by on a chariot reading the book of Isaiah. And so Philip's like, that's probably the guy I'm supposed to talk to. And he invites him up. Philip leads him to the Lord. He gets baptized. And then Philip disappears. 
And he couldn't have done any of that without the Holy Spirit. And we read that story, right? And we're like, oh, that's pretty crazy. I don't know if that'll happen to me. Um, And it won't because nobody rides chariots anymore. (laughs) But that same type of thing can happen. The Lord, I, I believe the Lord wants to lead in those ways. And I have a couple simple stories that are not quite that crazy. But I remember one day I was walking on campus in front of the LSC and there was this guy sitting at this table with a hoodie facing away from me. And I felt like I was supposed to talk to him. And I was like, oh, Lord, I, don't, I can't even see his face. I don't, I, don't even, I don't know what to say. He's clearly not wanting to talk to people. And so I walked, and I felt like the Lord said, because I just asked, like, what should I say? And I felt like the Lord just said, just sit down and say what's up. I was like, what? <laughs> and so I walked back and forth like three times trying to come up with something better to say. And then I was like, okay, Lord, I feel like this is you. I'm just going to do it. So I, like, sit down, and I'm like, hey, what's up, man? And he's like, oh, hey, man. And it was a guy that had been to my small group, like, a few weeks before. And I was like, hey, how's it going? And we just had a conversation. (laughs) But only the Lord knew that, right? Because if I would have come up and been like, hey, man, sorry to bother you, but uh, uh, can I pray for you? He would have been like, oh, hey, Eric, how's it going? (laughs) But God just knew that was that guy. It was, it was crazy. Another time, um, I, I was in the Oval, and this Chinese guy, Bowen, came by with, uh, like, his bicycle was broken, and so I, I helped him fix it or whatever, and then I gave him my number, but never got his, and later, a couple weeks later, I was, I was just on campus, and I was like, Lord, what should I do right now? And I felt like the Lord said, go to the Oval and meet Bowen, and I hadn't paid attention to, like, what day that was or what time that was. And so I was like, okay. So I went to the Oval. I walked around it. He wasn't there. I started walking away, and then I saw him riding across the Oval. And I was like, Bowen. And he invited me to lunch with him and some other guys. And he he then became the third guy in my small group that semester that I only had two. And the Lord uh, really did a lot in his life. And I didn't know he was going to be on the Oval, but the Lord did. And we, we have to seek the Holy Spirit. I don't know if any of have any of you guys heard about the revival that's happening right now at Asbury? Yes. Asbury, it's a Bible college, and they've had revival in the past. In 1970, they had a revival there. And again, th- right now they have a chapel service that's been going on for seven days, nonstop. People are just going and meeting the Lord and repenting and feeling his presence. And it's starting to spread to other places. And I think it could spread anywhere. And we we have to get out of this mindset of being in the desert, uh, of barrenness, that that God's not going to meet us and that God's not going to supply. You don't have to work just on your own strength. You don't have to... You don't have to dig and try to produce something on your own strength because God is going to meet us um, in power, and he wants to do that. And finally, the last, the number four is have fun. One of my resource leaders back in the day, Josh Nicholas, said, you're the best minister when you're having fun. And I've always found that to be true. Sometimes we say this, love and laughter plow hard hearts. And nobody wants to hang out with you if you're a grump. Like, don't take yourself too seriously, okay? 
I'm literally I'm I'm literally here because the guys in Chi Alpha had fun and I wanted to have fun. And so I, I found that to be true that when you're ministering, have fun. We we started doing this thing at CU called Prayer and Pancakes. Um and we go to the hill where there's tons of parties and we just give out free pancakes and offer to pray for people and it's a riot. And <laughs> and I, I haven't seen a lot of what I would say is like fruit, like there's nobody that got saved from that yet. Um, watch out, Marcus. Uh, God will get him. But uh, but I just think it's good to keep us lighthearted and to keep us having fun. Um, and there was this guy. You can go to the slide with, yeah, that guy. So, um <laughs> Uh, we were we were giving out pancakes in 10 degrees while it was snowing. And this kid walks by, and I'm like, hey, free pancakes. And he's like, what? What are you selling? And I was like, free pancakes. And he's like, oh, man, I got to get back to my dorm. It's so cold. And I was like, bro, we'll literally make you a pancake to cover your face while you walk home. And he's like, oh, bet. So, uh, so he comes over, and we make this massive pancake with two holes for his eyes. And it took a while, so he, he started asking me about my story, like why I follow God, and I was able to share with him, and he talked about how he was like kind of seeking God, and we had this really cool conversation, and then he got a pancake to warm his face as he went home. <laughs> and like, I, I tried to reach out to him later and haven't heard from him, but I, I trust that that encounter was meaningful and that the Lord's doing something, but honestly, it was just fun. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to wrap this up. So back to that question I asked in the beginning. Uh, this guy, William Borden, when he's 25, goes not even to the country he means to go to, and he, he dies at the age of 25. Is that a waste? And I would say the, you have to answer that for yourself. I think it wasn't a waste, but you have to answer that for yourself. Matthew 6, 19 says this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So I, I believe that he was laying up treasures in heaven and that it wasn't a waste. I want to wrap up just by um, highlighting a few different types of people, and I want you to respond in different ways. Firstly, if you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus, I want you to do that tonight. He became nothing. He gave up everything. God gave up everything to be with you, and you can trust a God like that. So it's that, if that's you, I just want you to... Um, Pray and ask the Lord, uh, just give your heart to him, surrender to him. Talk to your small group leader about that. Two, if you've enjoyed the goodness of God and the love of this community, but you've never out stepped outside of your world to reach those around you, I believe that God is asking you to do that tonight. And as I mentioned before, one practical thing is LTC. If your heart's stirred for that, talk to your small group leader. But just in general, 
if this is you, I would ask the Lord, what, what can I do? Not what can I do to earn your favor, but out of gratitude, what, what can I do? What's the next step? And third, maybe you're reaching people, but you feel like there's not much happening. Or maybe you're expecting people to come into your world. Or maybe you're trying to just figure out what your future holds. I want you to ask what the Lord has for you. Does he want you to change something? Does he want you to give up something? And I want you to think about that, uh, this revival that's happening at Asbury. And I, I think sometimes, uh, I've been guilty of this, if, if we're not seeing fruit in our life, we like to question those kind of things. Like, well, why did, why did they get that? When's that coming here? How can I go and be a part of that? And if that's you, that, I'm going to be honest, that's me sometimes. But if that's you, I want you to come forward and we're just going to pray for you. And the Bible talks about barrenness a lot. In the, in the Bible, it's normally, in the Old Testament, it was uh, people actually, like women actually being barren. But I think it was symbolic because every time someone was barren, it was an opportunity for God to open their womb, for God to help them bear children, and for God to get the glory. And I, I believe that that's the same for each of you. God wants to show up and be merciful in your life. If you feel like you're in this desert, um, yeah, as I was praying about this sermon, I just got this picture of the desert. Maybe it's because I was just in the desert, but um, that came to mind, and I think there might be some of you that feel like Man, trying to take responsibility is like walking through the desert trying to find trying to find life and it can be like that sometimes, but I, I really feel like the Lord wants to break that off of you today. Um and break that barrenness. And so um yeah, we're just gonna take a few minutes to respond. Uh Pray in your seats, pray with your small group leaders. But if you're that person that says, hey, I, I've been trying this and I just feel empty, I feel barren, um, I want you to come up and maybe a few other people can come around and I'm just going to pray over you. So, um, yeah, come on up. Lord Jesus, we believe that you're here with us, Holy Spirit, that you're here in this room. And I just thank you that you're here to break this desert spirit. And I just declare that broken, that barrenness to be broken in the name of Jesus. And I just ask that you would fill these people with peace, fill these people with your spirit. Lord, and I, I just pray that striving would be gone. Lord, that one, they would understand and appreciate your love for them, that you came down to where they, they are where they were, and you met them, Lord Jesus. And we just thank you for that. We rejoice in that. And I ask that you um, would just cause them to be fruitful, that you would break off uh, this barrenness, that you uh, would be the one that moves in their life, Lord Jesus. Lord, that the next few people that they meet and that they lead to you, they could say, wow, I had so little to do with that. 
because the Holy Spirit just showed up. Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would show up in their lives, in their day-to-day lives, in their outreach and whatever they're doing. God, that you would show up and that you would make them fruitful. Lord, I, I just pray, Lord, I know some of them might feel like because they haven't seen the results they wanted to see that uh, maybe they're doing something wrong. Maybe you're not pleased with them. Uh, maybe they're not enough, and I just declare that broken, that they are enough, that you love them enough to be with them, that you've chosen them, whether or not they contribute. You've chosen them because you want them, and I just declare right now um, that they will see fruit in their lives and that you will... Um, yeah, you will be enough for them, and that you will, uh, yeah, that you'll just be with them and satisfy them, and that you'll break that barrenness. And Lord, I just pray for everyone else, that you'll be with them tonight, that they would know you more, that they would seek you and hear your voice.